I'm not trying to police your feelings. Now, you can't have an attitude with me in my house. (laughs) But if you want to go to your room and have a moment, you can do that. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, We focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at IamAPurposeChaser.com. So today on the podcast is a little special. It's actually a lot special because I'm joined today by my daughter, Reagan Washington, for a special Mother's Day edition of the Redefining Wealth podcast. When I initially thought of asking Reagan to come on the podcast finally. Actually, I think that she's hinted for years, like, "Mm, so dad's been on, like like, what's going on? When am I going to get on? I was thinking that I would come up with all these questions to ask her, but the more we kind of thought about it, we thought it would be cool for her to actually ask me some questions. Now, many of you who have known me since my Steve Harvey days, have seen Reagan grow up in social media for many years. You guys called her Mini Money Maven. And that was my way of not really revealing her name when she was little. I didn't want folks out there in the streets just calling her by name. And then somehow along the way, I slipped up. Must have said your name because then people start asking me, how's Reagan? So a lot of folks have seen you grow up just through images. They never have really heard you speak until you did the a birthday episode until you contributed to that. Um, so I'm really excited to finally have your voice and your thoughts and your opinions on the podcast. So officially, welcome to Redefining Wealth, Reagan Washington. Hi, thank you for having me. I know you had to work around my schedule a little bit. Oh my God. Um, but I, I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Yeah, you know, I did have to work around your schedule. You're one of the uh, busiest and most booked people I know. I'm trying to understand (laughs) why it was so hard to nail this interview down, but that's fine. We're here now. I'll just be grateful to have your presence. (laughs) So we decided that you were going to ask me some questions. So let's, let's go for it. Like, what are some things that you have been wanting to ask me? Since I'm in middle school now. 
I want to know what is the most memorable day in middle school like that you've ever had? Like something that like to the day you die, you will not forget what happened on this day. Mm. Ooh, child. Well, you know, I just turned 40. So <laughs> middle, school. <laughs> middle school was a while ago. Let's see. One of the most memorable days of middle school. Oh my gosh, this is going to sound awful. And back then, I'm just going to prep you now. We keep it real on the <laughs> podcast, just so you know. So back then, sixth grade was not really considered middle school, quote unquote. It was considered uh, elementary school, but we'll go with middle school age because the thing that I remember the most is the day that I got in a fight on picture day. <laughs> I will never forget that I had my little... French roll all together back in the day. Come on, 90s kids. You feel me? I had that foam French roll with the little pearls in the in the seams of the French roll and a little swoop bang. And I was dressed like my three friends, Joy, Lilia, and Lauren. We were going to take pictures that day. And someone played around and pulled the fire alarm. And we ended up doing, you know, the fire drill where everyone goes out. You go sit on the playground. We called it Schmidt sitting at my school where you kind of lean on the, the legs and the knees of the person behind you in alphabetical order. And my friend got into it with a boy in the, the line, the Schmidt sitting line across from us. And it was really her battle. And somehow I found myself in the midst of her battle and I started to defend her. And then the boy turned around and said, you and your mama and your grandmama, something or the other. And before I knew it, I was on the ground rolling with this boy who was bigger than me. <laughs> and my French roll was all over the place. Needless to say, I never did take a picture. And um, I think one of the lessons that I learned, though, is I, I didn't feel bad for the fight because I felt justified in standing up for myself and for my friend because the boy was really a bully. Um and I don't really think it's any different than who I am now. I'm not sure that I will really come to blows with anyone at this stage in my life. But I do realize that for me in middle school, what I was very clear about is that you don't take advantage of people that I love. And I think that that's still something that I have. But now I learned how to fight with my words and possibly my attorney much better than <laughs> much better than trying to fight with my hands in sixth grade. But that was that was a day I'll never forget. The rest of it is a blur. Okay. You know, I would never get in a fight. I'm I'm just I'm a good kid. I wasn't a I, bad kid. Are you judging? I I mean, maybe a little. <laughs> Well, that's good. You, I, I hope that you never have to, never desire to. You also are being raised very differently than I was, right? That's so you're true. not necessarily exposed to all of that. But where I'm from, that was a daily occurrence. So, you know, I was nothing special, truly. It was just another day in the life of, but I hope you never have to. Let's backtrack a little. And go back to when I was little, little. <laughs> what is one thing that I did as a baby that frustrated you the most? 
And what is one thing that I did that you love the most? Oh, this is so good. One thing you did as a baby that frustrated me the most. I was most I hard. <laughs> Actually, something popped in my head immediately. Uh, <laughs> I was most frustrated by the fact that I just thought you did not like me as much as dad. Like, I just did not see it. I felt like I would pick you up and you'd be like, hey, mom, and dad would come in and you would run to the door to greet mm-hmm. him and hug his legs. And I always just felt like I was the extra parent, like secondary. Now, a lot of that was probably, and I'm sure it was my own stuff. So I already had my own issues with feeling like not as lovable and all those types of things. So, and not, and you know, I'm not as affectionate as dad is. So, but I, I was really frustrated by the fact that I'd be like, girl, can you called him daddy? You called me mom. I'm like, can I get a mommy? Like, did you, did you, did mommy ever cross your mind? Like, So that was a little frustrating. It's crazy now because of how close we are. Right. Now, like I was never. I think you hit double digits and you were like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a woman. I should be hanging out with her, not him. Like, And then something switched. And now dad, I think is feeling the frustration that I had like the first nine years. I think he's like, oh, wow. She just wants to hang out with mom or stay with mom and not Mm -hmm. be with me. So you go through those phases. So that was frustrating. Something that I loved about you. Oh my gosh. Now, honestly, I loved a lot of things about you as a, I mean, I still do obviously, but as a little kid, I loved how inquisitive you were. You would stump me all the time and ask me things that I was like, oh my God, I'm 29. Maybe I should know this or something. Like, (laughs) you would always ask me really deep questions about, like, what does God look like? And, um, you know, you would ask me business questions and you would try to sell my books when you were in kindergarten to ladies in the office. Like, you were such a little business person. And just always inquisitive. And I love that about you because I ju- it just let me know that you were aware that you were paying attention, you know? And I think another thing that I always thought was hilarious is when we would go out to like IHOP or go anywhere <laughs> and men would try to flirt with me, you would find my ring finger and slap it on the table as if to say like, <laughs> okay, she's taken. Or you would, do you remember that? Used to be like, um, yeah. dad said, <laughs> I'm like, yep. he, all they he did was say, what time is it? Why are you <laughs> making sure that people know I'm married? <laughs> what is that about? I'll be watching that. They eyes be wondering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So though, I mean, that was frustrating feeling like you like dad more and then lovable. So many things really inquisitive and just, uh, just very aware. Oh, I love you too. What would you have named me if I was a boy? Oh my gosh. You know, I've never thought about that. Really? No, I've never, I didn't have a boy and a girl name. I literally just knew in with everything in me that you were going to be a girl. I had, I had wow. never even considered the possibility of having a boy. I don't know. It was just a very instinctive type of thing. I knew I was pregnant before a pregnancy test could tell me. 
I knew you were a girl before I even had a, an ultrasound. Um, I kind of even knew what you would look like before I really met you. Like you were very similar. You know, dad and I always tell you that you're everything that we prayed for. Mm-hmm. We tell you that all the time. Personality wise, you are to a T what I wrote in this little red leather journal that I had when I was on bed rest. And it never even occurred to me to consider the possibility of having a boy. I literally never thought of a boy's name. The name that we ended up using. So you always hear dad and I talking about Gage. We talk about if we had a boy, his name would have been Gage. But that came about years after you were born. Oh, I thought you would have just been like, Oh, probably Gage. I didn't even think about that not being an option when I was. Mm -mm, That wasn't an option. I did like the names Kennedy and I liked Peyton. Yeah, Peyton. And I liked Reagan. I loved Reagan. But you already know, I named you after this little girl I met at a seminar. It was uh, T. Harv Eckers' Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It was in Orange County, California. It was like three or four days. And the first day... I met this couple that had this cute little girl. She was about maybe three or four years old and she just fell in love with me and I fell in love with her. And every day this little girl would come find me and like hundreds of people and wanted to sit by me, wanted to hold my hand. And she was so smart and she could speak so well. And she just had so much personality. She was just not afraid. I felt like she was very bold. And at the end of the seminar, When I was giving her a hug goodbye, I told her, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her after you. I'm going to make sure that her name is Reagan. And probably eight months later or so, I was pregnant and I knew that it was Reagan. I just knew that 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 was going to be the name. That's so cute. A lot of times when I ask my friends and we're like, what do you think? Like, what's another another name you would see me as? They're like, I don't know. I really only see you as Reagan. I'm like, I really don't look like anything else but a Reagan. Like, Not to me either. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. I don't. That's interesting, though. I've never thought about, well, what do I look like my name should be? Do people do that? I've never. Yeah, I've never. Uh, even me and my friends do it all the time. Really? I don't even yeah, have a fake then, name. And then like when you when somebody says it, you're like. Ooh, yep, <laughs> yep, that's the one. Yeah, like, really. Mm-hmm. I, you I know what I want? Anything else? I can't see me what? as anything else at this point. But I didn't like my name growing up. It, I, did, I, I didn't either. Really? No, because nobody else had a name like me. Yeah, and it's not easy to find on a keychain. And I promised, I promised myself that when I had children, I would make it easier for my child to find their name on a keychain, And then I just, I turned around and repeated the cycle. I never, never had my own little personalized, nothing. <laughs> you have, if it was custom, but if you just walk into Disney world, into some shop somewhere and just l- twirl the little stand around, you're not getting a keychain <laughs> with your name on it. Well, that has been my experience too, but I've always wanted to come up with like an, um, an alternative, no, an alter ego name. Like Beyonce has Sasha mm. Fierce. I've is always Beyonce. Yeah, Sasha Fierce is Beyonce's alter ego. You didn't know that? I thought that was a whole nother person. Oh my gosh. I've never I... seen a picture, but I just <laughs> I just heard the name. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. keep going. 
Yes. So I always wanted to have an alter ego that would go on stage. But I think that's where my creativity just runs out because I'm like, <laughs> all right, Trees, let's go. Like, it's nothing. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. I, I definitely should work on that. I can't see you anything, anything else but a Patrice. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's fine. I'm happy with Patrice and my other name, which became Reagan's mom all through <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> I was just Reagan's mom, which is also fine. What was one of your favorite TV shows as a kid? One of my favorite TV shows as a kid. I mean, I have to keep it real. It was it was the Cosby show. I loved the really? Cosby show as a kid. Yeah. Why do you say really that. like that? I didn't know that at all. Yeah. We used to have the whole, all the seasons on DVD. How did you not know? Do you remember when we <laughs> carried DVDs? Oh, from we Play- had them. We sure did. I never connected yeah. those dots. Yeah, I love the Cosby show. I think the biggest takeaway for me from the Cosby show was just this idea that I could have a beautiful brown family with a successful mom and dad and productive children. So for the longest, whenever people would ask me what I wanted to like do, I would say, oh, I want to raise productive children. I want to raise well-rounded, productive children. And I don't even know if you know this, but when dad and I were dating, we used to say we wanted four kids. We always would say, I know they had like five or six kids, but we would always say that we wanted four kids. So in my mind, I pictured this full house, you know, professional mom, professional dad, like these great kids. That was the visual. Oh, and I always wanted a two-story house with a basement. Cliff Huxtable worked out of the basement. He used to go down oh, to the office. You. Look at me. Look at me down here in my office. You see it. That was the only picture I had of like successful, a successful black family. And I loved it. And I loved all the lines. And I loved how sassy Claire Huxtable was. That she was a mom, but she could balance the role of mom with also being professional. But she also liked to have fun. But she'll also tell you off like, in a quick second. Like, I loved it. I loved the whole vibe of that. That's cute. I, I never knew that. I didn't, I really didn't know what you're going to say, honestly. What's the hardest thing about raising children? Oh, child, where do we begin? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What's the hardest thing? I will say for me, I have a couple things that have been hard. So one of the hardest lessons, though, in in raising you was accepting that you were not my mini me. So when you have especially a little girl as a woman, I think we all have this idea. As soon as you say you're having a girl, right? People go, oh, a mini me. And so in your mind, that means that this child is going to look like you. And if they don't look like you, because I didn't get anything out of the deal initially, if they don't look like you, they're going to think like you. They're going to talk like you. They're going to have the same likes. They're going to have the same dislikes. You guys are going to be one. You have this idea that they're literally a carbon copy of you just in like a miniature form. 
And I think one of the hardest things for me in raising you was accepting that you were not me and that you were born to be your own person. And you start letting me know very early, like, I don't like that. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't like that? We like this. (laughs) And you're like, no, I don't. And so initially, because I also still felt like, okay, you, you were clinging to dad more. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not a mini me. Like, what am I doing wrong? What did I do wrong? Like, but really I had to learn to see that as a blessing that you were an individual and Mm -hmm. that you were okay being Reagan and not trying to like be in my shadow or do anything just because it was going to please me. Like you don't have a problem being like, yeah, I don't like that. And that's dad gets concerned. Cause he's like, I don't know. Are you arguing? Are you just, you know what we have, we can agree to disagree. And we've learned that like that flow. But I think for me, initially the hardest thing was like, Oh wow. She's a whole person. She's not just little Patrice Washington. She is Reagan Washington and she is entitled to her own opinions, thoughts, beliefs, all of those things. And it was hard. That was hard to let go of. But I think the more I released that, the better our relationship has been as the years have gone on. Surprisingly, a lot of our interests are compared to when you or my age are different, even like I mean, academic wise, especially, it's interesting because we still get along very well, mm-hmm. even though we're so different, but we're also really alike at the yeah. same time. I don't think that we're so different. I think we have I mean, different interests, but, you know, I mean, even in terms of sports, like at your age, I was playing basketball and volleyball and so are you. But you added like skateboarding and all this other stuff that I would not do. (laughs) So like you have your own version of things. But I I think that we're actually more alike than not. But I'm 40 and you're 13. So our like our perspective is not going to be spot on. But I think that we do share ideas about things without trying to make them identical. What's the funniest thing I ever said or did as a kid or <laughs> infant? I was going to say, like, are you not a kid anymore? <laughs> or is this like a... <laughs> the funniest thing you ever did. Oh, my gosh. You've had so many funny moments. That's another thing that I do like about <laughs> you is you. Well, you see, she's gracious. There's that. Um <laughs> Very, very humble. Humility is her strong point. (laughs) You can pick up on that. You always kept dad and I on our toes. You would just make us laugh all the time. Oh my gosh. Funniest thing you did. You can say multiple. I know it's hard to choose. How about this moment? (laughs) This moment. Because this is, this dictates. No, this is a great example of my life. Like... I don't know, Reagan, you're just, you're witty. So you're funny all the time to me. I don't recall like one particular moment that you were just so hilarious that it just, mm. you know, we laugh darn near every day about something. So Always. I don't know. That one's hard. I don't have a specific. Okay. Do you think I have more of your good qualities or bad qualities? I think... <laughs> You know, dad's about to get me for this. I know. Like, I was going to say, I think that all of your good qualities you definitely got from me. (laughs) 
think that you have more of my good qualities. I think that you're an, you're an independent thinker, which is a great quality. You don't necessarily just go with whatever is going on. You are not that into reading and books like I am, yet you're still a you're still a good student. It's not like you're a bad student. You still are a good student. Another thing I've accepted is that, you know, <laughs> we're going to see where this goes. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not attached to like, oh, my child needs to go to Harvard and have a 4.5 GPA. I want you to be a productive citizen and do what you feel purpose to do as long as you're a good human being and you treat people well and you pay your taxes and you stay off drugs and <laughs> all those things. Like that, those are the things that actually matter. Whether you have a 3.0 or 4.5 don't necessarily matter, although I'm always going to push because I believe you have what it takes. but Anywho, good qualities. I think that overall, you're a good people person. I think that you can talk to anyone about anything, um, no matter their age, because adults love you. <laughs> like, all the older people I know, Lisa Bill, you, Lori Harder, Tim Story, they're always like, Reagan is awesome. Doreen Rainey, <laughs> like they just love talking to you as a person. So I think you are a great conversationalist when you feel like it. I think you also, you may have gotten this from dad or I, you know when to withdraw and go take care of yourself. I don't know why you're so good at that, but you know, you're like, I'm going to go take a bath and just like, I need to sit. I need to light my candle. I need to go be by myself. I used to worry that you would feel rejected if I was like, hey, I need a moment when you were little. But I think you actually picked up on it's okay to have me time. Yeah, I think when I was younger, it, it probably did feel like you just wanted to get away from me. Um, but now I definitely know when I'm going to be not the greatest person to be around. And if I can take some time myself and regather, I will. Because mm -hmm. I'd rather be able to be my be by myself and be okay than be annoyed with other people and not really know why and not really being able to, to control it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But definitely being able to come to my room, put on music, light some candles, take a bath, like use some face masks, get in my pajamas, and then come back and spend some time with you guys helps me so much more. Because sometimes yeah. I'll be perfectly fine. And then two seconds later, I'll just be like, why is everything annoying me right now? <laughs> like, can you, can you not? Like, I, I'd rather you stop talking, please. So if I have the option, definitely go and take a breather. I think that's so good to know, though, Reagan. That's self-care. And it's one of the things that so many of the adult women who listen to this podcast struggle with. Like, they struggle with saying no setting a boundary, removing themselves from a situation and going to gather themselves, as you said, or taking that time to take a bath, to take a bubble bath, to just listen to music, to light the candle, to relax, to just have that time and space to process whatever your feelings are, whatever your emotions are in that moment. I think that's really good. And the fact that you're able to do that at 13 years old 
you're going to be so much further along than so many of us were who didn't learn those skills until we were in our 30s. Like for you, it's second nature to go do that. For many of us, someone, a therapist, a friend, a magazine had to suggest (laughs) that we do those things. And that's what I do also. Again, I love that about you, that you already know those things. So you, you don't have to go through what a lot of us have been through. I think it also goes back though to when you were younger. I don't I don't know if you remember when you would get upset. Like every day after school, you used to tell me about your day. Like you would always like have some story or want to say something. And then sometimes you would be so frustrated because of something or maybe you got in trouble and you were frustrated. And I would tell you that you had the right to your emotions. Because when I was little, if if you had a bad day, people couldn't accept you had a bad day. <laughs> like it'd be like, fix your face. Okay, well, ma'am, I had a bad day. Like I'm entitled <laughs> to having a bad day. You can have a bad day at work. Why can't I have a bad day at school? And one of the things that I've intentionally wanted to do was make sure that you always knew it was okay to feel your feelings. I'm not trying to police your feelings. Now you can't have an attitude with me in my house, <laughs> but if you want to go to your room and have a moment, you can do that. Do you remember you used to do that in like first, second grade? I remember you telling me, but I don't quite remember like what was happening in that moment. I think yeah. I brought out my emotion on you and it came off as disrespectful. And you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, hold on. You can go and do do that in your room. I'll give you a second. Come down when you feel like it, but don't do that to me. Mm-hmm. No, that's what we, we're not going to do. <laughs> that's so what we're I, not about to do. <laughs> yeah. storm upstairs go be mad for a little bit come back down restart Mm -hmm. and we act like it never happened Mm -hmm. but you were yeah you were entitled to your emotions even at six years old even at 10 years old you're entitled to have a bad day you're entitled to not feel well you're entitled to to not feel like talking and not even know why like to your point sometimes it comes over you and you're not quite clear why do I feel like this We've had times where you initiated, hey, let's go watch a movie. And then we all come downstairs with dad and I eating popcorn. We're laying on the couch. We're we're into the movie and you walk away. I'm thinking you went to the bathroom and you were gone. I'm like, how is she going to suggest a movie, choose the movie, make the popcorn, (laughs) bring us all down here and then be like, yeah, mm -mm." and not even say bye. Just leave. Just get up and go. Oh, to be 13. Which one of my school friends did you, I don't have many people over, so I'll say like the least Mm. or hate having over or dislike their parents? Oh my gosh. We don't have to use names, obviously. I can't even tell stories at this point because the stories, if anyone even knows, would give it away. Let me think. Um, you've definitely had <laughs> parents of friends that I have not liked through the years. Let's just keep it real. I typically, so I'll speak generally. I typically don't like parents that talk so much about what they do and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm not a big person that when I meet someone I'm really interested in like who they are as a person. And I don't like when someone's like, oh, what do you do? And then it turns into a coaching session or they like want to ask me all these questions about what I do professionally or it like, 
unless we built a relationship, right? But not on the first time that I've met you. It feels very awkward for me because I just want to know that people are your friend because they're your friend. And I never wanted to feel like, oh, their parents are forcing or pushing any type of relationship because they want something from me or from dad, you know? So we've had a couple of those scenarios over the years. We've had scenarios over the years where you didn't realize it I think in the moment, but where we tried to get play dates for you and they didn't want anything to do with the play date until they saw me on television. Oh, that's the most annoying thing ever. And then it was like, oh, did you want to get the girls together? It'd be so great. And I'm like, ma'am, I have not forgotten. (laughs) Yeah, teachers will do that too. They'll be all nasty with you and as soon as your parents come up and they go home and do all their little research do all their little background checks and they they see things and then want to come back like nothing ever happened i didn't forget you was just mad at me for going to the bathroom two two seconds ago no 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 Lord, <laughs> you can't i'd rather you still be mad at me than switch up out of the blue yeah yeah i mean You've had pretty good friends over the years, like decent friends. I think that that is usually the one where if I feel like people are trying to use, you know, I'm big on relationships. If we're going to be cool, let's just be cool. But don't even think about trying to use my child and this connection to my child in some way to just, you know, push your way into a friendship. I'm not even a person that you can force friendship with. I like things to happen organically. So when I feel like people are being pushy about it, it's like a red flag. And then I will say, you have had a friend in the past, though, that I had to pray away. I was I was like, yeah, because I'm not going to tell you. I think that you're, especially at this age, since you've been in middle school, now getting ready to go to high school. I don't oh, think Lord. that I can police everyone you hang out with. I don't think that's for me to do. I think that I've done my best to bring you up in a way to where you hopefully have the confidence to walk away from friendships or relationships that are not good for you, not healthy for you. And also have, you have boundaries in place. And I think that you're just a smart kid. So I have to trust that dad and I have instilled enough in you for you to make that decision. So I'm not going to just automatically be like, I don't like so-and-so, but boy, I tell you, I'd be in the prayer room, definitely uh, praying heaven down that they would, uh, that they would move, that they would change schools, that they would go somewhere or that they would do something that honestly just makes it so abundantly clear to you that this is not a good friendship or relationship for you. And I can tell you, there's been a couple of times already where you have come back and been like, I'm not going to hang out with so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, come on. Really? Yes. I prayed for those. Yeah, I'm always, think- I'm always going to pray that you are using wisdom and discernment. And I think now I've become a way better judge of character over the years. There's certain people that their presence just doesn't sit right with me. And a lot of the times, sometimes maybe I I judge a book by its cover, but most of the time their actions that happened in the future really proved me to be right, which is 
very helpful mm-hmm. just so I don't get attached to people. But there's been a lot of people where I just, I come home and I'm like, I don't think we're going to be cool like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be, I'll be cordial, but I'm not going to talk to you like that. Like, I don't want to involve myself with you. And so far, it's helped a lot. I like what you're saying because I think it's going to teach you how to trust your own instincts. What you're basically saying is I got a vibe. I wasn't feeling it. You know, I tell myself, "Mm, I don't know about them. Right. And then later on, you see it proven that what you're what you were thinking is confirmed because they do something. Right. So that's another great lesson that a lot of us miss out on because we're taught to well, don't judge a book by its cover. So now we're giving people way more grace than they deserve. And then we find ourselves in these circumstances that we could have cut off months or years ago, but here we are all going on and on and on, allowing people to take advantage of us or just being in wrong company or dealing with people, um, you know, whose behavior we think we're above and they're negative or all these things. And instead of trusting our instincts from the beginning and going, you know, this isn't good for me, a lot of us spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of resources, a lot of heartache in relationships and friendships and partnerships with people who didn't deserve us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that at this age, you're already learning to use wisdom and discernment. Like you're already learning to go, you know what, I'm going to trust my intuition instead of trying to force myself to be wrong and give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I do believe that you'll know when someone deserves grace, but I I think that so far from what I've seen, you've been a great judge of like, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and I think too, I've come into contact with the, the people being a bad influence, which mm-hmm. you always hear, but you don't think like, oh, this person may be a bad influence on me or, whatever and in it can be people that you've been around forever you're so close and it just it starts with little things where you're like oh well I don't think we should really do that or you know and then it becomes progressive and you're like whoa like that's that's not okay at all like I don't know what what you think this is but I can't no (laughs) like I can't do that that's not how like I can afford to do that that's just not how I want to spend my childhood years doing things that I'm going to regret mm. in a few months, maybe. I mean, and and I think sometimes you really have, like, it's, it, it's hard to distance yourself from people that you've become close with. But when you do and when time has passed and you see that they've continued to do the same things mm-hmm. that you warned them about or or was like, oh, that's not okay. You feel a bit better because you, you're not in that situation and you don't, you feel like, wow, I really, I saved myself from that one. Because mm. now they're doing all the things, doing whatever they want and the people that they're around and their parents and whomever may not care, but the people that I'm around and the people that I want to surround myself with will care. Mm-hmm. And even if I think that, oh, I won't do that. Oh, I won't do this. 
it, it doesn't matter. You like peer pressure is real. Mm-hmm. Like you may not think that things are going to happen at that moment, but no one plans on doing something that they're going to regret. You know, so mm-hmm. I think those kind of lessons have been extremely helpful this early on. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I think the hardest thing about being a parent is not being sure if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they always say there's no parenting manuals and, you know, there's millions of books on parenting. So we probably should stop saying that. There are lots of things that you can read, that you can research, that you can study around parenting. But at the end of the day, there's no parenting manual for each individual, you know, who is born. And you really don't know exactly what your child is going to be like until you just continue to watch them develop. And I always tell people, and I'm going to tell you, that I am so proud of the young woman that you are growing into because I just think about your confidence and I think about your decision making And I think about the way you process the world and how drastically different it all is from who I was at 13 as someone who had, um, you know, lower self-esteem in terms of my looks. I knew I was book smart, but I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel lovable. I didn't feel really accepted. I kind of felt like always on the outskirts of certain groups, but I had the persona and the height to make it seem like I was more confident, but I really wasn't. But I watch you and the way you move through the world and just the the way we converse on a daily basis. And I'm like, wow, if I had Reagan's confidence at 13, <laughs> I think the confidence that I see in you, I probably started to get around 28, which is interesting because you were two years old by then. So you've been watching the manifestation of my confidence being built as you've been growing up. So even the version of me that you know today was not the type of woman I was necessarily at that time when you were a baby. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking if you have this much wisdom at 13, when you're 28, sky's the limit for who you can be. And I just pray that because we do talk so often about the hard stuff too, not just the pretty stuff of life, but like the real deal things that you need to be aware of and the things that you need to look out for. And the fact that dad and I do share even financial goals and money stuff and business stuff with you. So you're not foreign to those types of concepts when you get older. My prayer is that, you know, we're not, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You do not get dinner every night at 6 p.m. We know that. Um, we know that you're not getting uh, home-cooked meals every day. Uh, somebody cooked it, not in this home. But, uh, you know, I know that there's so many of the traditional things, I guess, that people would consider maybe more traditional home life type of things. But I do know that the flip side is you've been exposed to a lot of things whether it be traveling across the globe or just having these conversations about real life money things and business things and legal things just to make sure that you're prepared. And I know that it's not a perfect upbringing, but I believe that we were made for each other. 
I don't think I could have prayed for a better child for me. Um, and I know no matter what I do, you're going to be in therapy talking about me. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you deserve that. But I pray that, you know, your life is a bit easier and your opportunities are a bit greater because of what I try to do for you and be an example of for you and all those things. And you make being a mom one of the best titles that I wear. And I'm very grateful to have you as my kid. That's so sweet. You're making me blush. That's very cute. Well, I I think you are, I know I always tell you this, and you never seem to think it's true, but you are genuinely my best friend. Mainly because I know you're always saying, like, if you're my age, I think we'll definitely be friends. But I think if you're my age, we definitely be friends. Because, I don't know, I think as I've gotten older, we've grown so much more alike, which has helped. But, like, when I when I come home, the first person I look for is you. Just because even if nothing's happened, I want to see something happen in your day. If something has happened, I want to tell you everything about it. Even if you don't want to hear it, I'm still going to say everything just because. Um, and I'm going to show you all the TikToks and all the videos and all the pictures I feel cute in and everything. Even if you don't want to watch, if you don't want to look, if you're, if you're tired, because your, your opinion matters so much to me. And even with, with like random music that I play in the car, Every time I play something, I'm just looking at you to see your reaction. Like, does she like it? Does she not like it? Feeling it? Like, okay, her head's bobbing. Okay, okay, that's good. Maybe I'll save it. I'll, I'll send it to her. Put it on her playlist. Like, you're, you're just, you're so easy to talk to. And I know that if, if some, anything's wrong or if I need to, to if I have questions about life, about boys about anything I'll come right to you and sometimes you don't have the answers but you still comfort me I love you I love you too my dear thank you for being on the redefining wealth podcast with me folks have been asking to hear your voice for a long time so for all those purpose chasers who have been asking when is Reagan mini money maven which is no longer her name, not so many money maven. Washington going to be on. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we just want to wish you guys a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day here in the U.S. Have some conversations with your kids. I think as a parent, it's normal to always be talking at kids or maybe talking to them, but not necessarily talking with them. And this was good. I enjoyed you. So, hey, Happy Mother's Day to you. If you have any feedback about this episode, make sure that you rate and review the podcast. Also, you can come into the free Redefining Wealth Facebook community. Come on in, share uh, what you are doing this Mother's Day weekend, whether you're a biological mother or that you are, you know, someone out there who is nurturing some child in your life like I wish you the happiest mother day and I hope that you get doted on and taken care of 
really every day I hope that for you but in particular this weekend so until next week I want you to go live your life's purpose find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money talk to you later Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.